0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, AF. We love you guys. Eric loved you guys. And in the tradition of Eric Van Rie, I'll just say I'll address any of you who may happen to be guests here this morning. You picked the wrong church for sure. <laughs> We're going through a rough time right now. We're a f- it's a family. We're a family. And uh, so this morning, you know, Eric had. His last title for the last sermon series that he wanted to do was The value, the Values of Successful People. That's what he wanted us to talk about. So this morning I'm going to talk about how does the Bible define success? What does the Bible say about success? And I'm going to talk to you this morning about How do we continue to grow in the Lord despite our grief? How do we let the Holy Spirit come in and change us and move us despite our sorrow and our mourning? First of all, I do want to thank you guys so much for your prayers. I absolutely know that there are people praying for me. I feel it. And I know people have always said that to me, and I'm always like, what do they mean by that? I get that now. I get it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And uh, this morning I woke up and I told the Lord that I couldn't do this. So I can't do this, so he's going to have to do it through me. That's nothing new for me. I've I'm desperate for him. I've always been desperate for him. Sometimes I just didn't really know it. (laughs) Um, This probably isn't going to be the best message you've ever heard in your life um, because I'm a little scattered. My thinking feature has not yet returned. But I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it really real with you. And that's been a hallmark of the Adventure Church since our very beginning because Eric always kept it real, even at sometimes his own expense. He was honest and vulnerable and open and real and he would want nothing less for us now through this process. I want you to know that Psalm 34, eight says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and I have never sensed the presence of the Lord consume me as much as I am right now. I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is the lover of my soul and that, as it says in Isaiah 54, he is becoming my husband and he is near to me because I am brokenhearted. And again, I want to remind you, and I will probably say this many, many times, I will repeat myself, I'm certain of that because I just, certain things I don't remember if I've told you or not, so please forgive me if I if I am redundant in any way. But I do want to stress this once again. Whatever you invest in is that from which you will withdraw when you go through trials. That if you build your house on the rock, then when the storms hit, your house will stand. And my house is standing. Because we have invested in God's word, the Bible, and we have invested in God's people. And you guys are sustaining me. You all have helped me and my family get through this, and I thank you so much. Consider this your thank you card. (laughs) That's something I'm stressed about. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to send out all the thank you cards, so thank you. Save that stamp. Okay, um, I also want to let you know, I'm going to give you a little window into my dreams. I've... The Lord's been so good to give me these sweet, sweet dreams about Eric. And, um, the other morning I woke up and for those of you who knew Eric, he was a quirky guy. He had some strange quirks. He had a sock fetish. He loved socks. He would buy a, a, like 20 pair of socks every month or something. Others share. Um, and so in my dream, he and I were standing in this, this beautiful, kind of a sky blue room. And we were going through a sock drawer together. And so it was natural. It was a normal thing. But all of a sudden, he just looked at me and he said, I am so much happier where I am now. And in my dream, I was not cognizant of the fact that he was in heaven. I, I wasn't thinking that he was gone. I just said, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad to hear that. And then he started to fade. He was wearing an affliction shirt, a black one, of course, with an orange emblem. And I woke up and I knew that that was a gift from the Lord. So we're starting this new series on success. Interesting that Eric would want us to talk about the values of successful people and then we would go through this together. I'm no expert on grief. It's been two and a half weeks (laughs) since I lost my husband. So I'm not an expert. I'm not going to pretend to be. But there was a period of time here at the adventure when we went through Extreme loss. We lost 30 people in two years. And only two of them were older than 50 years old. It was just a, it was a season of grieving. And the Lord taught me so much through that season. And I know now it's another one of his goodnesses that he demonstrated to me was preparing me for this season of my life. You know, all that Eric wanted for you guys and for me and my kids was that we would live a life of true success the way the Bible defines success. Not the way the world defines success. How does the world define success? Money, things, possessions, power, position, passion. All kinds of things. The Bible speaks against almost all of those things, not against money or against power or against whatever, but it speaks against anything that we put before him, that we are to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love each other as we'd want to be loved. Excuse me. You know, Eric talked about life, world, dream. His passion and his goal for us as a church was that we would grow our lives, that we would impact our world, and that we would live our dream. And that doesn't mean live in the dream, you know, got the big yacht, going on a Caribbean cruise. Not that kind of dream. Not that yachts or Caribbean cruises are bad. I, don't, I really wouldn't know personally. But he wanted us to be functioning in the purpose for which we were created. That was his sole goal. And he would always come home and go... Man, I gave the same message again today. He goes, I just, that's all I ever want to say. That's all I want for them is that they would find out who God created them to be and they would be released in who God called them to be. And if you are a guest here today, I, I, I would apologize, except I don't think I'm supposed to apologize. But I am talking today specifically to the Adventure Church. I'm talking to the Adventure Church Draper Campus and the Adventure Church American Fork Campus. And the things that I'm going to say today, I believe are a prophetic word for you. But first, we do need to talk about grief because that's the reality of it. Grief is an extremely spiritual thing. The Bible makes mention of grief many, many times. And it says of Jesus that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So he's the guy that we follow. He's the one that we emulate. He's the one that we want to model in our lives. He's, he is our life. And if he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and he, we are called in the New Testament to share in his sufferings, and in the power of the resurrection. And that's our hope. That's why we don't grieve as those who have no hope, because we believe in the resurrection from the dead. And so I want to just release you guys from feeling the need to apologize for your grief. Because I'm talking about a principle here. I lost my husband. I didn't actually lose him. I know exactly where he is. But... (laughs) My husband went to be with Jesus in heaven, okay? I know that for a fact. But your grief is going to look different than mine. Your grief could be the loss of a child or a sibling or a friendship or even a job or a parent Everybody's grief is so individual. Everybody's grief is so personal. And I think that's why Psalm 34 says that God is near to the brokenhearted. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 to mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve, weep with those who weep. Please do not apologize to me for grieving, Eric. You know, I've had so many people come to me and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be comforting you. No, we are grieving together. There's a spiritual principle that comes through grieving together, and it's okay. When you grieve my husband, when you mourn my husband, to me it just shows me that you loved him. Either that or you had some unresolved issues that you're working on on your own and I can't help you there, <laughs> so. Actually, maybe I can't, I don't know. But I don't want you to apologize to me. I don't want you to feel that you have to not cry in front of me or not bring it up in case I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Okay, it's not going away. Mentioning his name is okay. Telling me how deeply you're hurting is okay. It's not going to increase my grief, but it actually is going to comfort me because we're going to be grieving together. And that's okay. You know, the first time that I recognized this principle was back in 2008. This was during that season of lots and lots of loss. Not loss. Death. Rachel Kligman was 12 years old, and she was hit by a car. And I've asked for permission from her family to share this. She... She was in a coma for two weeks, and Eric and I were at the hospital constantly that whole time. I don't even know what happened to my four kids that whole time, but somehow God took care of them. But we were at the hospital with the Kligmans, and we grew in our relationship together. We became family, for real, lifelong family. And we grieved together. And then on July 26th, that was Rachel's birthday, I had a party at the Van Resort because we have a pool in our backyard. And so um, I had the whole Kligman family come over. Remember that, Pete? And we celebrated and we wept and we hung out. But following that, following that party, I went into what I would describe as a depression. Depression. I guess maybe it was mourning, but it was kind of inexplicable to me because I didn't feel like I deserved to grieve her so deeply. I didn't feel like it was my right to grieve so deeply for someone that I didn't really know that well. She wasn't my child. And Eric sent me up to Park City and just said, you know what? Just go spend some time with the Lord. He was so good to me. He spoiled me he was he was the best husband, anyway, so he sent me up to Park City because he did, he did stuff like that for me by the way, he wanted to bless me. he got paid a bunch of money from his projects for China, and he said, "Hey, babe, I want you to pick out a car and I want to buy it for you." Well, if you know him, you knew, you know that he drove a 1994 red pickup that we paid 50 bucks for 17 years ago. <laughs> cost, cost us less than two bucks a year to drive that thing, because I sold it for 190. woo. Anyway, for parts. But he wanted to bless me. So um, I kept arguing with him. I said, no, you buy yourself something. You've been driving a piece of junk for how many years? You buy yourself something. He goes, no, babe, I want to bless you. So if you see me driving a little red Mercedes, don't judge. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, back to my story. See, that's me. I'm so random. I'm sorry. The ramblings of Jody. Anyway, so I'm up in Park City, and I was I was grieving this girl who wasn't even my own daughter. I had a daughter named Rachel who was 12 also, but the Holy Spirit was so gracious to me, and I just knew that it was like a survivor's guilt kind of a thing. And the Lord told me it was okay, because I was bearing part of the burden for the Kligman family. You know, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just weep and just pray for them. And I'd call Corinne the next morning, Rachel's mom. I'd call her and I'd say... Oh, I'm so sorry. You probably had a really rough night last night. I know I was praying for you all night. She's like, nope, slept like a baby. <laughs> so we recognized, she and I recognized, that's what it means to bear one another's burdens, to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is what? What's the law of Christ? Yeah, to love God and to love each other the way that we want to be loved. So I was willing to carry that for her. Well, I wasn't really willing. It was kind of an involuntary thing. God just woke me up and said, pray. (laughs) So I just want to say that that's okay. If you are feeling that burden to grieve and that burden, it's okay. Don't feel guilty. Please do not apologize. Don't apologize for that. Grief is a very individual, very personal thing. All four of my kids are grieving completely differently and their three spouses. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty five says that. And I'm telling you, I have moments where I am overcome with sorrow. I have moments where I break down. But the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my victory. And I'm telling you, it is the Lord. People always say to me, oh, you're so strong. No, false. I am not strong. But I serve a strong God and a mighty God, and he is sustaining me. And you can can believe whatever you want, but I know that he is the only reason that I am standing here today. I know that. And you too, (laughs) it sounds like I'm going to sell you a Ginsu knife, you too can have that intimate relationship with the Lord. You too can be desperate for him, and he will meet you in your time of need. As I mentioned, I, I believe that I have a prophetic message for the Adventure Church. If this is too heavy for you, if it's too much for you, I understand. It's okay. My district supervisor experienced going through cancer, and I think he said that they lost a, like a third of their church because people couldn't understand why good things happen to them. I mean, opposite, dy- dyslexia. Why bad things can happen to good people? people. They could not understand it. And so they had to leave the church because they just couldn't hang with that. And that's okay. If that's who you are, I do understand. I'm not, I'm not judging you. But if God has called you here, this message is for you. This word is for you. I'm going to start with Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people to the promised land, across the Jordan River, into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually, Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then, only then will you s- prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yes. Amen? Yes. Be strong and courageous. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not in your own strength. Don't try to muster this up. Stay in the Bible. Read the Bible. If you haven't ever read the Bible, start in the book of John. Psalms, that's the emotions of the man who is after God's own heart. Who incidentally was a murderer and an adulterer, but God still called him a man after his own heart. Tell me there's not forgiveness. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, how do we relate to one another as human beings? There's 31 of them. Some months, there's 31 days, so one per day. I did Eric and I used to do that at night before we'd go to sleep. We'd read an entire chapter of the Proverbs together and just discuss it, talk about the wisdom of the Lord. How romantic, huh? <clears throat> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so I want to back up a little bit, and uh, I want to tell you the story of kind of the background for all of this and you can think I'm crazy and you can judge me but I know that I know that I know I hear the voice of the Lord. So you remember back in March of 2014 I went to Israel with a group of women from throughout the world, women leaders and it was such an honor to be able to go and it was a life-changing experience for me. When I came back, the Lord began to speak some really specific things to me. And I had a life coach. And she helped me walk through. Pardon me if, if you've heard this story. I, I'm trying to give the, the overview. So I apologize if I've already told you this story. I don't even really remember. But anyway, so this life coach, after going through a series of you know, different exercises and whatnot, she looked at me at one point and she said, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And suddenly I got this thought. And I said, I can't say it out loud. It's too scary. And she said, Try me. I said, The Holy Spirit is telling me that I'm going to be the pastor of the Adventure Church. But I don't really want to hear that because what does that mean? Does that mean my husband's going to die? I had two witnesses. I didn't share that with anyone else. And then you guys remember what happened last January. Eric started to do all these things with China. We had planted the church in the Philippines. He went over there. He preached the gospel, capital G, good news gospel, preached it in the Philippines. For the national, the Foursquare National Pastors Conference, he preached at several churches. He just preached through the Book of Romans; that was his favorite book. And then he went through the Philippines. I mean, uh, China. He preached the gospel on national television in China. What? Who does this? And so, as all of these things were happening, he started creating. And as he was creating more, he started he started to realize that he was kind of pulling away from the life of this particular church. And he knew that. But it was scary for him to admit it. So last June uh, 2015, Eric and his assistant, his lovely assistant, Laura Winkler, who is the president of the business that he started, Kingdom 7, they called me and they asked me to come and have dinner with them. And as we talked... Laura looked at me and she said, Eric and I have been talking all day and we both believe that you are supposed to pastor the church so that Eric can be released to do these other creative things. I had never told Eric and I didn't keep secrets from my husband but I had never told him what my life coach drew out of me. Because the thing is I had to remind the Lord when he spoke that to me I had to say, um... I don't know if you know this, but I'm a woman, and doesn't your word say that women aren't supposed to be leaders? But do you know who the person who convinced me theologically that I was qualified was my husband? He was my biggest fan. He said, Joel said, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And if you're wondering what Eric's opinion was on women in ministry, you can Go to YouTube, listen to his message. He did the message in the Tough Topics series. He had to convince me, because I I was really nervous about that. I really had to wrestle with some of my own issues in that. And you may wrestle with that too, and I understand. <clears throat> but I also know that I heard the Lord clearly, and it was confirmed one year later. And so at that point, when, when Eric and Laura approached me and asked me, my understanding was that we were going to be co-pastors because my husband was my spiritual covering. He was my spiritual leader. He was was the one I went to when I had questions or when I needed prayer. And so we had a staff retreat scheduled for the next month. And um, Eric at the time was working on this project. And he did this project in four months would have taken a normal human being six years he did in four months so he was just constantly working on this project and so he just told me he said i am so sorry i can't come to the staff retreat so of course we deduced that well we need to cancel the staff retreat until the holy spirit said to me this is where you start to lead so we did the staff retreat and eric came up to this to the place for the very first night and he shared his heart with my staff our staff who are amazing, by the way. He shared his heart, and he had been through some extreme betrayal and some really serious brokenness. And he just shared that with the staff. He was completely real, completely honest. And he said that he believed that I was supposed to start to take over the leadership of the church. And the staff unanimously agreed. I was still hesitant I was still wrestling in my own soul. Then in September, we announced it to our leaders. And then in in October, we announced it to, to the church. And January 1st was when I took over senior pastoring. And he became the co-pastor. And I still wanted him to be, I wanted to be co-pastor so much so that I went to him the week before he died and I invited him to go out to lunch because you know that's the way to get time with Eric is if you take him out for lunch. <laughs> so I took him out for lunch and I just said, babe, we need you. You are so creative. You are so brilliant. You're such a genius. You are such a, a visionary and you're so prophetic and, and I'm just inviting you to come back to the table." I want your opinion. I want you to be with us. And as I was speaking to him, he just looked at me blankly, which didn't happen very often. He was a man of many words. And he just looked at me. And I knew at that moment that his heart was elsewhere. Not that he didn't love you. He loved you guys intensely, but he wanted to reach the whole world with the gospel, and that was really where he was focused. So the next morning I woke up and I was having time with the Lord and I really felt that the Lord told me to go to Joshua chapter 1. And now I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, I stick my finger in the air and wait for the voice of the Lord to tell me where to read. But when I get a prompting, I obey it as we all should. His sheep hear his voice. We know his voice. If you know the word of God, you know the voice of God. Because you can hear his voice if you take the full counsel of God. And what I'm talking about this morning are principles. These are biblical principles that I'm sharing with you. But there are also individualized, personal things that he speaks to each one of us because we're his kids. And he wants to have relationship with each of us. He created us uniquely to have relationship with us. So I I obeyed that prompting and I went to Joshua chapter 1 thinking that I was going there for leadership principles because I knew that Joshua was a very righteous leader. And so I thought, I don't want to read books by other people about leadership. I want to read the book about leadership. So I started reading in Joshua chapter 1. And I got to verse 2 where it says, Moses, my servant, is dead, and I have called you to lead these people. And the Holy Spirit said so clearly to me, I'm talking about Eric, and I'm talking about you. Well, I didn't really want to believe that was what the Lord was saying. And so I did what we should always do when we believe we've heard something from the Lord. I tucked it away in my heart. Later that afternoon... My dear friend Kule Lee called me, and we were talking, and she's one of my dearest friends in the world, and I trust her with my life. And I shared with her what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And as soon as I said it out loud, she and I both gasped. And we couldn't even speak, because the profundity of it hit us both at the same time we understood what the implications were but of course not wanting to believe that i went on and i thought well that's probably just the lord's way of telling me that you know eric eric's not going to really be a vital part of things like i've asked him to and so you know that's kind of how i justified it in my own mind So then that weekend we road tripped down to Vegas, as I had mentioned before, for a delightful family reunion with all my kids and their spouses and my brother and my aunt and my parents. Had a great weekend. Eric got to eat some prime rib, which was his favorite. And then I kissed him goodbye and then he came home. And then you know the rest of the story. He went into the ER, and I just want to clear something up here, too. I don't believe Eric knew he was going to die. Because when we went on his phone, we found all kinds of voice memos of him talking. He drove back from Vegas by himself, and he always recorded his thoughts. And I'm so grateful that I have that phone with so much memory, because he would just start talking about the Bible, Talking about the thoughts of the Lord. He was writing songs. He would give like little um, storyline ideas. So I really don't believe that he knew he was going to die. I really don't believe that. But the Lord prepared me. And after Eric's 11 hours in surgery and then another three hours, the Holy Spirit began to really speak to me and said, I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. Over and over. I couldn't get that thought out of my mind it was echoing in my soul and then he passed away so this week I had not planned to speak today but I was I was taking a walk with the Lord I like to put my bible headphones in and listen to the word over and over same chapter over and over and over And so I was doing that, and I thought, I need to revisit Joshua chapter 1, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly. This is the word for the adventure church, starting in verse 10. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River, take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan into the promised land, into success and prosperity in the Lord. Across the Jordan to help them conquer that territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest and then you may return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. They answered, Joshua, we will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. A little strong. So... Be strong and courageous. Okay, let's get a little perspective here. They were mourning. Their leader had just died. They were not in a good place. They were grieving the loss of their leader. However, the Holy Spirit said, go and do this. Get your provisions ready so i need to ask you adventure church what are your provisions that you need to get ready and i'm not trying to be cliche here I'm not trying to be cute i'm asking you what are what are the things that god has given you that he wants you to use to expand his kingdom because there are only two kingdoms There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of darkness. And if you are not building and expanding the kingdom of God by the power of his spirit working through you, then you are building the kingdom of darkness. If you are not serving the Lord your God, then you are serving yourself. And you cannot prosper. You cannot be successful And so I ask you, what are the gifts that God has given you that you've withheld? What are the talents that you have that you could be using to expand God's kingdom but you don't? What are the finances that you're holding on to so tightly that you don't want to expand the kingdom of God? You know, let me just talk about this a little bit. Ira did such a great job with the first fruits. You know, Ira was talking about how Eric really wrestled with the idea of the first fruits of the tithe of the offering because he never wanted anyone to misinterpret his heart or his intentions. He was never about money. He never cared about money. He never That's why he drove that 1994 Chevy pickup for 16 years. You know, he didn't care. He wasn't about money. But he began to become convinced by the Holy Spirit that our hearts are directly connected to our wallets. And if you cannot trust God with your money, then you can't trust God with your eternal soul. Because if you can't trust Him with what you have seen, how can you trust Him with what you haven't seen? And we're not taking another offering, as Eric would say, we're not going to take another offering, so don't worry. But if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, and if you call this your church, this is your storehouse. This is where you give your money. And we pray, and we have an amazing finance council who is faithful, and they love the Lord, and they, they are sincere in their desire to use the resources God gives us to expand the kingdom of God solely for no other reason except to see the kingdom of God advanced. So I want to ask you, what do you rely on? What do you put your hope in? What kind of trail are you going to leave behind? You know, Eric, as I mentioned earlier, I don't believe he knew he, knew he was going to die. But I can tell you, there is such comfort for me, as his widow not to find any surprises. He didn't have to clean stuff. Well, he did have food stashes here and there. (laughs) Which he admitted openly. (laughs) But he didn't have stuff to hide. I didn't find any porn on his computer. I didn't find anything that he would be ashamed of. Except the food stashes. So my question for you is, what kind of a trail are you going to leave behind if you die unexpectedly? I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Tossing down the widow card. <laughs> Candy-coated in your own mind if you need to. What is your legacy going to be? Is it going to be about you? Or is it going to be about a bigger purpose? Is it going to be about the kingdom of God and expanding the kingdom of light and seeing souls one for Jesus Christ? And seeing people discipled and released in their dreams, impacting their world and growing consistently. What's your legacy? Do you have stuff to hide? Do you need to go home and clean up your hard drive after this message? What are you going to use to further expand the kingdom of God? What are you withholding? What talents are you burying? what kind of things could you do for God? And I'm not talking about salvation by works, okay? Just so we know that was not the message. Our salvation was bought and paid for on the cross when Jesus Christ was sacrificed for our sins, okay? That's what the message is. Thank you. That's for him. That's for the cross. But we are called. It says we are, we are called to do good works. That's evidence that we know him. So I want to ask you, do you know him? Are you really a disciple of Jesus? If you died today, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be trite in saying this, but if you died tonight, do you know that you would go to heaven? Do you know that it's only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, not your own works, lest any man boast? So I want to ask you, You claim that you're a disciple of Jesus. What are you doing? How are you expanding his kingdom with your time, your talents, and your treasures? You know, even in our grief, we can move ahead. And it does say in this passage, I'm talking about biblical principles again, okay? The whole counsel of God. Know the entire Bible. Don't just pick and choose. Know the whole thing. Again, if you've never read it before, please get yourself in some Bible studies. Please get into a life group. This isn't, this isn't what church is about. Church starts when we leave. Okay? Be in relationship with people. I'm preaching it. <laughs> like Stuart said last week I don't preach to come back (laughs) but I actually do (laughs) so just because we're grieving doesn't invalidate everything else the Bible says we still have to go on we have to navigate through this you know Friday nights were always my date night with Eric well when he wasn't working on a project so this last Friday night was really rough Kind of hit me. I walked into our empty home. I just kind of walked around, kind of lost. Sorry. And I told the Lord. I said, "I feel like I'm learning to walk again." And I feel that we. As the Adventure Church are going to need to learn how to walk again. And I feel like God is calling many of you to surrender completely. Not to be lukewarm, not to be just halfway. One foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. Doesn't work that way. So as we move forward, I don't know how long our grieving process will be, but we're going to take our time. I have been counseled by a godly, godly woman who has been in the same situation, almost identical to ours. Her husband was a pastor. He preached a sermon, had a brain aneurysm. Two days later, he died. She had four kids, three of them married and out of the house, and one still lived with her. The youngest one who still lived with her went to a church planter, planter's boot camp that Eric and I led 2 years ago and she and I instantly connected. And she and I just became just fast friends. And then she was involved in this women in ministry leadership group this last year. And she had her family was my family. She had two boys, two girls, 2 years apart. Crazy. Crazy. She's been reaching out to my youngest daughter and God has been so faithful to give me wise counsel. Her mother, Rebecca, is Pastor Jack Hayford's daughter. And she's a woman of God, and she's been walking with me through this. We actually, I I ended up calling her on Friday night, and we had a date together, shared nachos, and a date. Anyway, I just want you to know that. God is going to allow us the time that we need to grieve, but he's also calling us to move forward. And I'm not saying rushing the grieving process. I'm not saying just start doing stuff. I'm talking about let the Lord speak to the depths of your soul and do the things you know to do. You cannot grow in the Lord without being connected to God's people and God's word. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask the worship team if you would come forward. We're going to sing this song again. It's an older song, and I'm so glad they did it this morning because I knew that this needed to be our theme for today. And I just want to invite you to come forward and kneel before the Lord as a symbol that you're ready, that you want to submit to Him, you want to surrender, that you want to live for Him, that you don't want to live a life of futility anymore. And as we sing this, I just want to ask you to, to, to be considering the word of the Lord for you. And what is God calling you to? What is the depth that he's calling you to? What are the provisions he's asking you to get ready? I love you guys so much. I know God has good things for us. I know that Eric believed in the sovereignty of God. He did not believe in a God who makes mistakes. God didn't just go, "Oops, whoop, he died, what? God knew he was going to die. Exactly the moment he died. God has known that from before the foundations of the earth were formed. He created Eric and he called him by name. But as your pastor, his sole desire for you is that you would embrace the call and live the dream and impact your world and grow your life in Jesus. So would you stand as we worship?
1: Thank you, God. Lord, make that our heart cry this morning, God, to do what you will in our life. We can put our will aside. We can put our desires, our wants aside, God, and we can follow your will for our lives. God, let that be our motto that we are ready now follow wherever you lead us God. So Lord this morning as we heard your words God in such a profound way to challenge us Lord and where we're at and to move forward in that God. I pray that everybody in this building Lord leaves this place not leaving behind what was said but taking it home and, and really looking at it in their own life and saying, God, what are you speaking to me right now? What is the challenge in my heart? So, God, I pray this morning, continue to speak to our lives, continue to move us forward in such a powerful way, God, continue to help us grab hold of the promises, God, that you laid before us as we see this valley, God, come to you, as we see people's lives turned around who are lost and in such deception, God. And they come to know a Savior. God, we give you that. So continue to speak to us, Lord. Continue to guide us. Continue to move among us in such an incredible way in your precious and holy name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys this morning. And again, just challenge you to take this word and and apply it and say, God, what are you speaking to me? Amen.